everybody, and welcome back to another review special episode of Fan with the Fanbyte podcast. I am your usual fan with host, Steven Strum, here today again to talk about a game I know absolutely everything about. I've uh, played it inside and out. I'm just an absolute expert on The Last of Us Part 2 from Naughty Dog. Uh, joining me this week are three people who, you know, they're basically going to be playing support to me today. Um, they, they've not really uh, spent much time with the game yet, so they're just going to kind of uh, chime in here and there while I just really take this one forward. And those people include one at Weekend Writer for Fanbyte.com, Natalie Flores. Hello, everyone. Hello, how are you doing? Good. Well, actually, no, I'm not, because I just played this game in less than two days. <laughs> so any, you know, any posturing I do about being fine, I'm not actually fine. But let's get hey. to it. Now everybody can go forward with that context and uh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also joining me is guides writer for fanbyte.com, Colin McGregor. Hello. How are you doing? Good. I am in absolute awe of Natalie's ability to get through this game in two days. <laughs> if I was actually good at games, I think I would make for a good guides writer, but I'm not, so we'll leave that to Colin. <laughs> uh, hey, don't worry about it. Nobody in games journalism is good at games. We've uh, established this. I've read Reddit. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and last but most certainly not least, our official written reviewer of The Last of Us Part Two for Fanbyte.com, our news writer for the more for the AM, holding down the fort every day, is Kenneth Shepard. Hey howdy, hey. How are you doing? Hanging in there. <laughs> just <laughs> vibing. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. vibing. Uh, we were just talking about uh, hiding hidden knife wounds under tables right now, so maybe that's uh, appropriate for uh, more than one person this week. Uh, and it's also very appropriate for the sort of uh, grim and gritty universe of The Last of Us Part Two, I would say. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the franchise, with Naughty Dog's big smash hit from the PlayStation 3 and later the PlayStation 4, The Last of Us Part Two is set five years after the events of The Last of Us Part 1. Players enter the role of 19-year-old Ellie, who comes into conflict with a mysterious cult in a post-apocalyptic United States. The game contains survival horror elements and is played from the third-person perspective. Players can use firearms, improvised weapons, and stealth to defend against hostile humans and cannibalistic creatures infected by a mutated strain of the Cordyceps fungus, which is maybe the most, like, boilerplate doesn't actually tell you what's going on in this version of the story. I have ever heard. Uh, And you, dear listeners, aren't actually going to get much of the story today either, because as I'm sure uh, Kenneth and anyone on this podcast can uh, attest, this is a big, big embargo. There's a lot of notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kenneth, do you want to maybe, I don't know, uh, set us up just a little bit since you're the main writer here? So... This is a little inside baseball, but I mean, so for those that don't know, when we get a game to review, we are given that game under a certain set of like an agreement that we can review the game, we can play through it, we can cover it, however, but sometimes companies will be like, hey, do not talk about X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously without spoiling stuff, I will say in my six years of doing this job, I have never come across one as elaborate and <laughs> spe- specific, like down to very like specific, minute details as The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. Um, yep. So, just in us trying to review it, and like both on this podcast and, and in the written piece that I ended up writing, we had it kind of found ourselves kind of hamstrung by that embargo and trying to find ways to kind of like talk about this game in a meaningful way, while also kind of acknowledging that we can't at least not in like the traditional sense 
Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of been like a recurring thing for like having played the game now. All of us have, except for Steven. Um, <laughs> what? No, I'm the expert. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, we don't even know uh, what the last name is. Who is Joel? Yeah, no, I love uh, I love Crackdown. It's great. Like you collect the orbs. <laughs> Who really is the last of us? Who? Like, well. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm done. I'm leaving. Goodbye. (laughs) But yeah, so in general, a lot of what, like, the truth of what this game is is not out there. And even with, you know, all this marketing they put behind it, even some leaks that are out there that I guess we can say at least are, some of them are false. Like, some of them are, like, outright not true. Um, It's very hard for us at this point in time being, we're recording this on June 11th, to talk about this game in like a really meaningful way, right? But we're sure gonna fucking try. <laughs> and for a more hey. meaningful discussion on it, you can tune into our spoiler cast that will come out eventually. Bam. Yes, exactly. That's where we're gonna really just go into the nitty gritty. We're gonna probably record that next week uh, in time for the release. But uh, for the meantime, we did want to kind of, especially since what you just mentioned, Kenneth, because some of the stuff, some of the conversation around this game for various reasons is just outright false and mm-hmm. has not been widely disseminated that it is false. Um, and uh, Natalie, it sounded to me like you had a lot of opinions about that too, like about the just sort of nature of how some of the leaks were handled and stuff. I don't know how much you can actually talk ab- about the specifics of what is true and what isn't, but maybe just like your general feelings around like how it, this whole thing has been handled. Yes. That's... No, that's not all I can say, but um, yeah, during uh, one of the weekend articles that I wrote in the last few weeks was about like the leaks and just like how that was handled in addition to other questionable marketing tactics such as like GameStop being like, hey, you can Mm. kill dogs and it'll be like really fun and interesting. Be careful. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a lot of the marketing of this game, I would say actually most of it or maybe even all of it does not do justice to how um, touching and Mm. sensible and graceful of a story it can be graceful in the sense that not not that it's not messy or violent and whatnot but the care that it takes with the um subjects that it handles uh surprised me a lot i will be upfront to say that i did not like the first last of us unlike most of the industry Mm. um i actively do not feel anything for the game and um i'm writing my review for paste magazine that will also go up uh at the same time as fan bites and i start off by mentioning just like how alienating the experience of that game was for me and how i kind of resented it because it, it was so it was so alienating to see an industry whose discourses are shaped mostly by white cis straight men just like falling in love so rapidly with a game that um i didn't feel was as progressive as people thought it was i didn't felt like it, i didn't feel like it did much new and so this is going off topic but no um, no this is important context is like the last of us i feel like the first game is one of the progenitors of like the dad core video game development right yeah. like you're 
God of War, your last of us, like the, I am a dad. I have a kid. I am, I have a beard. I am going through the post-apocalypse. <laughs> and, um, this is what empathy is like, because now that I have a kid, <laughs> I know yeah. how to feel emotions. And so by then I was actually already done with the, the whole dad trope in 2013. It was, it was really early on into, into the decade, as far as like all the games that we got about, what being a dad is and dadification and whatnot. And even by then, I was already tired of the trope. Um, so this is all to say that I say this from the point of view of someone who is neither attached nor particularly likes the first game um, as much as I love The Last of Us 2. Um, I will be upfront and, and also saying that it's one of my favorite games ever, and I will make that very clear in just about <laughs> everything that I talk about uh, as we proceed with the podcast. Um, but I say all this to provide the context that I'm not someone who comes into us with uh, like a particular attachment or a particularly biased um, point of view, which uh, like I am glad that we sort of have like. Kenneth, who has a really big attachment to this series and to the first game on this podcast, mm -hmm. to sort of contrast that. Um, and I'm also, I, I think I could be a good sort of point of reference for people who were put off by the first game, especially a lot of marginalized people, or who, you know, are rightfully put off by the marketing behind this game and everything that we've seen about it that really just doesn't really do it justice. Um, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's about what I can say. Like Kenneth says, the leaks are not all true. Um, the leaks, I did read the leaks uh, when they came out. Uh, it's very different to experience the game itself, but on top of that, it, a lot of the leaks aren't true as well. Um, right. So it, it's upsetting that they, you know, <laughs> it's upsetting that that had to happen. Well, it didn't have to happen, but it's upsetting that it did. But then it did. Yeah. 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 A lot of people touch video games, a lot of people in, you know, positions of like big writing power who don't necessarily even represent the like full writing um, thrust of the game because they didn't touch, they maybe touched the like the big giant uh, overarching plot points, but didn't hit the more touching stuff in the middle. Who knows? You know, it's tough to say how much of that stuff goes the way it does. Kenneth, it sounded like you had something to say, though. Sorry. Yeah. I, uh, when we were talking about the market stuff, like I also feel like so. Uh, like, like we're saying, the leaks are all are false, but like, there's also like some like, and I I feel like if we talk maybe the specific stuff, it's gonna be like kind of a somewhat of a spoiler just by saying, oh, this is not the case, right? But I feel like the marketing campaign and just like the way that Naughty Dog wanted and like it it goes into like the how thorough this embargo is. They are still up to the point where we're reviewing this game, trying to hide the truth of what this all entails. Yeah, and. You know, so, like, it's frustrating as a person who has finished the game to, like, see certain narratives being attached to the game that the game itself doesn't actually engage with in any way whatsoever. <laughs> right. And, but also, like, that is somewhat on Naughty Dog, or at least, like, the marketing team behind this game to be yeah. like, hey, we need to, you know, mislead in such a way that people are going to have, like, very serious questions about this game. And I... I wonder is like on a list of games and like franchises that maybe didn't need a, like a very traditional like constant trailers and showcases marketing campaign was the last of us part two a game that needed one of those i don't think it did no. i think no. it could have been like you maybe got okay maybe you got like one or two like gameplay like you know walkthroughs the whole time but maybe like this game could have gone silent for like six months to a year at a time and still 
probably sold as much as it's still going to. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably more, honestly. Uh, like the curiosity of that, too, like yeah. would be enough people to like draw people in, too. And that's put right. off a lot of people that I know. Just, like, the marketing itself. Like, instead of not really hyping people up, it's made them very wary and mm-hmm. um, for good reason. Um, but... Yeah, we'll talk about I mean, that take, later more, and especially in the spoiler podcast. But yeah, yeah. I I can't speak to the game at all because I don't really know uh, the specific beats. I know what you people have told me, and um, even that seems like it's maybe like only a fraction of what's going on in here. But like, I can mm-hmm. just say from like you know, rather than dance around this, I think there is a lot of uh, wariness in like, you know, queer spaces and stuff like that about mm-hmm. how they have mm-hmm. like sort of uh, marketed this game off of this concept of like, you know, barrier gaze type, type stuff. Like the, the, mm-hmm. those, those early trailers very clearly show um, cottagecore lesbian buff girl Ellie with uh, with her like um, girlfriend and then very heavily implied that that girlfriend then gets murdered and Ellie goes on a revenge tour like that is my vision of what this game looks like and I think that's a lot like a lot of people's visions and without mm-hmm. getting into the specifics of what it actually is or isn't um, and how much of that is true and isn't true uh, it sounds like that's like that specifically is maybe not really think- indicative of like this game's tonal or emotional thrust right I think I think the weird part about this game, especially the marketing, is some of the things they've been dap dancing around for however long the game since it was announced is I feel like if they were pretty straightforward and upfront that it would have been fine. Like there's some moments in that there's some big parts of this game that we can't discuss at all that feel really weird that they never brought them up because I don't feel like they're they would have changed people's uh, like love or need to want to try this game. If anything, I might have amplified it because there's some actually like genuinely great moments in the game's latter half, which we're not allowed to like literally talk about in any re- in any way, which is frustrating because it it it's it's they're they're like deliberately trying to obfuscate the like an entire portion of the game under the under the guise that like it's gonna surprise people it's gonna catch people off guard when i think if anything it's gonna frustrate people more because naughty dog is promising at this point or at least pseudo like teasing that the game is gonna be something else when it's not that entire at all mm-hmm. and i think there's like something to be said for like trying to preserve an experience like you're wanting to and that, again sure. that goes back to like when you have a traditional marketing campaign where you everyone's kind of like dissecting every frame of every trailer it is very difficult to do that in a way that is very natural because like this is very contrived in the way this has all gone gone down but like not not speaking of specifics but like there were things in this game that like i thought this game needed to absolutely fucking nail to make me want another last of us and it absolutely did like i was so invested in the direction that this game went and like something that even to the point of like me having the game in my hands and playing it like i was like do i need this game do i want this game do i want like do i feel invested in a future in this universe that kind of spits in the face of where the last game left off and it fucking worked like i and we that's all i can say that is that like i (laughs) was so invested in the turns that this game took it it has really i think some of that comes down to the writing which we can only kind of again loosely discuss but the, the writing in the game is actually like some of the best I've seen in a mm-hmm. long, 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 long time when it comes to, to narrative driven games. They do a really, Naughty Dog does a really good job of making every character feel lived in and 
and as much as I really hate the dumb trope of, you know, man is worse than monsters, which is like what Last of Us basically is the like one of the overriding themes, it does a good job of not just leaning on like typical post-apocalyptic tropes, even though mm-hmm. there is like one of the factions is like a crazy religious cult and another one's like a paramilitary, like we've seen these before, but it does a good job of humanizing them in a way that's unexpected and and, and engaging that will that kept me going because my my thoughts on the last the original last was were it was fine i'm not i'm not uh i'm quite of in the middle of natalie and kenneth here funny enough mm-hmm. uh, i didn't like the gameplay of the last of us i thought it was pretty boring yeah but i generally mm-hmm. like the characters uh and the overall story but it's it, i don't know it's just so frustrating how how limited a we are to be able to even like discuss it and and b um what what has been going on around the game that we can't that we can't like you can't even clarify like what is what uh leaks are true and false right which is baffling to me because there are ones that are in fact like completely bullshit no and they're ones that like are contributing to some people's meditation on this game like yeah in non-insignificant ways and they're totally justified like in in the scenario where some of those leaks were true i would be like oh absolutely i fucking get it but i mean even when embargo goes up tomorrow like what's the most we can say some of this isn't true like (laughs) as much as we can say to like maybe dissuade people's worries yeah and that plays just like a large part of people trusting us with that criticism is just yeah like trust like i've had a few people be like i i trust you to review this game and that is like a like it's a significant way and we hope to do right Mm -hmm. by it um right but i do hope that readers can understand that in trying to do right by those concerns as people who write about the subjects that we tend to cover mm-hmm. we also can't talk very much about things in general um so it it is sort of an exercise in trusting the critics on this one until the game comes out um right. but i for what it's worth as a queer woman of color um the leaks do not portray an accurate picture of what I think is an incredibly touching and um, earnest and considerate and thoughtful narrative mm-hmm. um, that will probably still like stick with me forever. And obviously that won't um, go for everyone, but and I don't speak for all queer women of color even. Um, but I, I can say that that was at least my genuine experience um, for right. what it's worth. So that's great. Because, uh, yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, uh, Colin, you you called it out as maybe being like, man, is the real monster of the video game. But, yeah. you know, even it's become a meme at this point because it is so, you know, low resolution, Overused. such a lo- not low resolution <laughs> in the terms of like actual resolution, but low resolution in terms of like just how deeply it can penetrate um, outside of the game itself, which is like the giraffe moment from the last of us one is mm. <laughs> like, this, right. like, but there's still beauty in the world. Kind of, kind of, uh, <laughs> reveal. Uh, the, the, where's the last of us? Scene. <laughs> single, the, single fla- the single flowers growing out of the garbage. Nature is coming. Yeah. Back. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is being reclaimed. Um, oh man. We are the virus. 
nature is healing. <laughs> but it sounds like th- right. that from what you guys have said, that there is a little bit more in The Last of Us 2 that really leans into the idea of like, no, actually, people are still good people, like right. in bad situations, which historically we know to be the case. Like historically, in uh, if you look at most like like large scale natural disasters and stuff like that, Hurricane Katrina is always a very good example of this. You know, like the community systems fail, the people tend to come together and help each other right. on mm-hmm. the whole. Uh, and it sounds like yeah. maybe The Last of Us acknowledges that. Is, would that yeah. be fair to say? Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. I, think, I think in general, like, the post-apocalyptic nonsense of The Last of Us is more of a backdrop in part two than it was in part one. Mm. I mean, I mean, it's been seven years. I guess we can talk about the specifics of The Last of Us part one. It's like the entire premise of that is searching for a cure for this thing that is basically eradicating humanity. Where, yeah. because the things that happened in The Last of Us one, that sort of story beat is kind of gone and everyone is kind of just living with what and so it's more about seeing how like i know which made the joke about nature healing but like more like how like society is kind of like not necessarily healing but at least like Like adjusting itself yeah adjusting and establishing itself in certain ways and the ways that like i guess systems can fail in the same way and people can kind of like comfort zones that people have in this can be upended in the same way that they were kind of like when the apocalypse actually starts right just because of like, yeah, because of uh, sometimes things happen that you don't expect. And sometimes those are caused by other people. And that's right. just life. That's not like necessarily that every single thing in the world is bad. Um, but it's just, you know, right. that will happen. Um, on kind of I think I feel like we have danced around the story stuff quite a bit. If we want to maybe to like just talk about like the gameplay side of things and what people did and didn't like, because I feel like there was sure. a huge divide around The Last of Us 2 in both directions where people who love the gameplay did not like the story or uh, like the story and love the gameplay or mm. vice versa. Uh, how do people kind of feel about this one? I see some notes in here like leans into the horror a bit more, which is interesting. Yeah. To me. So so this is this was a big problem I had with the original Last of Us is like it has a very the the, the clickers, the the infected are very the way it's designed is very horror. Uh, in the original game, but I feel like it only leans into it in a few very specific scenes, but uh, Naughty Dog does a really good job this time of making the infected feel like more of a, a genuine threat, mm-hmm. and, and they, they do they do really... The, the way they craft the levels is really interesting, the, the, the way you kind of explore is... Um, every area feels like it could be an area where you're going to fight an enemy, uh, there's cover, there's like haphazardly scattered items around. Like when you en- approach an area, and there are spans in this game where you'll like just have no enemies at all. That could go on for like, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes if you're like really looking around. Um, but it, it does a really good job of kind of easing the, the tension in to make you feel uh, unsettled and vulnerable. I think Kenneth and I were talking about this uh, a bit when we were playing is that uh, you never feel like you're safe in, in mm-hmm. the game. There's uh, the way the levels are in the world and the, the maps and the different areas are constructed is uh, it always feels like a firefight or a battle is going to break out in the middle of anywhere because they, they don't have like distinct areas where you approach it like, oh, there's cover here. Obviously, I'm going to fight here. But the the ever this cover everywhere and it really leans into it and I really really want to talk about one section that that really does a great job of establishing a specific infected and and I can't and it upsets me so listen to the spoiler cast when it comes out because I have a lot more to say about it right I would like so I think oh sorry you go ahead uh, now. Uh, 
so I would like to say that a big part of why I think the the horror elements are amped up in this is because I do believe um, if anyone knows otherwise like correct me if I'm wrong but I do believe a new composer was brought onto the project in addition to the last oh. composer um, who's famous for you know writing the really touching like main theme of the last of us and so this composer as far as i've heard primarily focused on creating music that really um sort of enhanced gameplay especially like like i felt myself so tense and so like like my pal like my palms were sweaty like when I was playing this game so much Mom and uh, yeah exactly <laughs> and I'm going to the <laughs> I'm going to the chiropractor for neck and shoulder issues and like general like scoliosis issues these days and so I'm being very active about noticing my posture these days and especially the anxiety that bunches up in my shoulders and I swear to you during almost every encounter especially when the music just like really kicked in i had to actively like check my shoulders and be like no bitch bring them down because they're <laughs> they were just like riding up to like i don't know the ceiling and i was like oh my god i'm so scared and like uh, at one point i was like oh my god i'm so fucking tired of the combat in this understandably combat filled game because i was so anxious and tense all the time and so it does a really good job of doing that and I think the music is a huge part of it. Uh, my apologies yeah. for not having the name of the new composer on hand. Mm. I think uh. something that is interesting, I guess, to like as a person that plays both Last of Us and Uncharted, to kind of like watch these two series kind of play off each other. Because like Uncharted Four was a very kind of a departure, and then it was like a very stealth heavy in a way that the series. I mean, like it had stealth, but it was like you know the most basic of like if you got seen by one enemy you were immediately caught by everybody and you had you were in a firefight where Uncharted 4 had moved on to like more of the dynamic stuff that The Last of Us says where like you can get seen by one person if you take them out quick enough they can't lure everybody else and all that stuff what I feel like part 2 really took from Uncharted which I'm kind of mixed on because I'm not a fan of open world bullshit and it right not to say that The Last of Us Part 2 is like open world on the scale of something like The Witcher but it is like more of a like you're going around Seattle in this game and like in a more open space and you know you're finding like you know you've got your mission that you got to do but and I guess but it's marked on a map you got to go find it but there's also all this other stuff that you can kind of engage with and all these other encounters all these uh you know these new little you know additional story beats that you can find through like collectibles and like environmental storytelling <laughs> but, like going to other places that are off the beaten path and you know oh. that's I feel like it contributed to what is probably my biggest issue in terms of like structure and design this game is really fucking long for like yeah. the mm. for the type of game that this, this is because like i i saw my like final playtime was about 23 hours but i it felt like fucking 30 and that probably has to do with like the fact that the game is just like a very taxing thing to play like it is just it's emotionally know, draining right like every second and like playing it feels like 10 minutes That's, so mm-hmm. i hope that yeah, and th- granted, there is a point, and you know, there's a point past the embargo where the game does kind of get like more linear and like kind of like in the more traditional Last of Us sense, where I think sort of like the padding comes from just like additional sequences to get through, and yeah. I feel like it, it not necessarily story wise, I think in, anything needs to change, but I think like encounter wise and sort of like 
map size wise, you could have shaved off a little bit and just made the game feel tighter in general. Yeah. Right. Um, I agree. It didn't. It didn't hurt my appreciation for the game that much, but I feel like, especially like in a review context where we are kind of like booking it, trying to get through it, um, it did feel like the game has like four or five false endings, and I'm just like, okay, all right, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll keep going because I'm invested what's going on, but. You know, if, if, if you're a person that likes to, like, you know, be really thorough and just, like, kind of look in every corner for everything you might possibly miss, mm. then <laughs> this game has that, and it is bigger and maybe more methodical than, like, Uncharted Lost Legacy, which I think is, like, probably the biggest sort of uh, thing that this game draws from in terms of structure. Uh, but for me, I was, like, I hope that there is a scenario where wherever Naughty Dog goes after this, they're going to maybe be willing to be a little bit more streamlined because it could be a lot at some points. Right. I would, I would say some of the best moments are the linear levels, honestly. Like, there's, yeah. there is, like, the, the open world stuff isn't as, uh, I don't know if it's as intrusive because it's only, like, really one section that's right. really early on that's, like, open world, and I think it's fine. It's just weird. It, it feels disjointed to me because it comes up once. Like, there's an open world portion that's not, like, open world in terms of, like, GTA or, like, kind of said The Witcher, but it's, like, it's, like, a few city blocks that you get to the kind of, uh, that you can explore in Seattle, and, um... It's weird because it kind of just happens and then it just never comes back. There's never like everything huh. else is like generally pretty linear, mm-hmm. I believe, unless I'm forgetting something. And no, you're right. Uh, everything else is like generally pretty linear after this one portion. It felt like Naughty Dog was more or less testing an idea. They're not sure how it's going to be received, so they just left it in to see if fans like that, to see if they want to go that direction with the next one or not. I would say it's the open world is probably the weakest part of it because you can. There's some really genuinely great story moments in those open world sections that I was talking to Kenneth about because I'm guiding the game, so I'm like, I'm I'm literally exploring every nook and cranny I can I can I can find, and I'm like, did you see this moment? And he's like, no. I'm like, oh shit well fuck it was actually a really sad really like touching moment and that just is probably going to go by like 50 percent of the player base because they don't want to go kind of off the beaten uh path to explore these moments oh gosh colin you have to tell me that after we stop recording please (laughs) because i am an expert at staying on the main path and not deviating (laughs) from it which brings me to my point on the subject which is that i I felt like like I was relieved by some of the linear stuff that I saw. Like mm-hmm. there are lots of times when I'm like, "Ugh, like I could explore that way over there." And I go to that way and it's blocked off by debris or something and it's very clearly telling mm-hmm. you like you're you don't need to go over here. You don't need to waste your time here. Like kind of said for me what was exhausting was the encounters um like it's such an emotionally taxing story like it's not even just that it's a a short but gut-wrenching story it's that it's a gut-wrenching and super long story (laughs) and yet i all the times that i felt exhausted by playing this game which weren't many but the times that i was were all in encounters like i was like we we could have done without this additional you know sneaking part or like part where I have to like try to avoid these people or like fight them or whatnot and so it the story is emotionally taxing but I think it says something that the encounters were even more emotionally taxing Mm. for me Mm. even though it was like it's not like uh, the 
game's uh, battle system or like the combat system really sort of builds upon itself gradually. Like you get some new abilities that you can, um, mm. you know, update your skill tree for, but it's not like it radically changes. So it's like I, I'm right. doing the same thing as I was doing at the beginning of the game. Ultimately, what I'm doing is shooting um, or like trying to stealth by, but. Like, it just got exhausting at one point, and yeah, I just, I, I definitely agree with the notion that they could have shaved off some of the combat, and mm. like, there were several battles I was like, we could have done this in like a narrative scene that was like, you know, mm. equally powerful, and that, you know, I don't have to die several times in to take away from the emotions and the heightened anxiety, Right. so yeah, I just... Yeah, I, I agree with that. You, yeah, yeah. You I, want the think... anti Final Fantasy VII remake version of The Last of Us Two, which is that we we turned a bunch of uh, super long dungeons into uh, a conversation instead of the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I, think I, it's... I will I will say I love the combat in this game. I mean, I mean, it, yeah. uh, Natalie is right. It really doesn't build upon itself too much uh, once you kind of get the nuts and bolts of it. But the way. Uh, encounters play out the the ai is remarkably smart yeah. uh, which is surprising uh like they will actually like genuinely check around corners they'll follow your sounds they you can't just hide in tall grass and they'll just walk right by you unless you're playing on like one of the easiest difficulties yeah, they'll, they'll genuinely spot you it's it's uh the the ai is actually remarkable pretty challenging especially when they start adding things like dogs or different types of infected oh, the um, dogs are such a good addition because the dogs are the dogs are very I good played on the easiest difficulty mode so i did do what colin is saying you can't do which is like <laughs> enemies would walk by me and i would be like planking on the ground and, <laughs> and they would not notice me and at one point late in the game three people came in my direction because they heard me being a dumbass and like i <laughs> i walked around a table in which three people were checking and i managed to not be found out it was so fucking ridiculous yeah. um, so if you want to you know like just ruin sort of your uh like the believability of the ai you know go with the easiest difficulty like i did <laughs> i promise you won't really lose much uh but yeah like mm. no, sorry. it sounded like <laughs> No, no, uh, Kenneth, it sounded like you had something you really wanted to say in the middle of there, uh, too. Just, like, a couple points, because, like, I wasn't going to and Colin ended up saying it. Like, the game is fucking tough. Like, I mean, I like, even on normal, and, you know, Last of Us 1 was also, like, a fairly difficult game, just because, like, there are, like, the clickers that can get you in one hit. But I feel like they introduce more, uh, more infected in this game that behave in ways that are like even like counterintuitive to how you typically play the game like they're uh, the stalkers that they don't make sound and like the way that you kind of uh sense where your enemies are is listen and like so everything that you like it's basically like heat vision like where you can see everybody is but like you it is determined by sound so when something is quiet it can sneak up on you and really just fuck you up um the shamblers are the aoe ones right yeah, yeah, yeah the new yeah. yeah and then there's a whole other thing that's embargoed but um the also, like, the, and yeah, keep going. <laughs> to, to kind of touch on the part where, like, we talk about how it doesn't really evolve really throughout the game. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that for a couple reasons. One being like, you are, you don't get um, 
access to like certain specs and like upgrades that you do. Like, cause you know, in Last of Us One, you could you had access to everything, and it was just a matter of like what you decided to put stuff into. But now you have to kind of like be periodically upgrading to different things and like gaining new abilities and uh, things that you can craft. And so like it does evolve over the course of the game. But there's also like a very specific point where your playstyle has to fundamentally change because. Reasons happens. happens. Yeah, because because reasons. Happens. reasons quotation marks. So, <laughs> like the back half of the game can feel remarkably different in terms of how you're approaching different situations. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I like I had just replayed the original before this, so it is. Like maybe the minutia of it does not necessarily come across if you haven't like played with it, like the original and kind of seen the way that it's evolved. But I felt like this was still like a very like. Sig- Significant step forward, at least in terms of how it sort of, like, rationed out the ways in which you got... Because, like, by the time that I was done with the first game, I felt like a powerhouse in a game that is supposed to narratively not make you feel that way. But where in this, like, I was constantly having to reassess situations. I, I never was able to go in with, like, a very specific thing that I was going to do, and it was going to be, like, the one catch-all for everything that happened. And I fucking died right. a lot. Like, I don't know if there's a death counter in this game. There was in the first one. I d- did not find one in this one. And, um... I would, like, I appreciated the way that, like, it never let me kind of settle on one thing, and I felt like I was constantly just having to, like, grapple with whatever I had in the moment to make... to just, like, get to the other side of a fucking room. It, it It's... The gameplay is very kinetic, which I always enjoy. It's it's one of those games where, as Kenneth brought up, uh, if you get spotted in stealth, you can reestablish stealth, which is always nice because mm-hmm. the way the map is designed, you have to just pretty much break line of sight and get like some distance away from the enemies, and you can kind of re-enter stealth, but they'll obviously be more cautious. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is if somebody was charging me, you can throw like a brick or a bottle to stun them, and then you can take them, you can uh, take mm-hmm. them hostage, and then kind of use them as a shield. Uh, dogs will track your scent so you have to either keep moving and and or deal with the dog which will then alert the guy because he'll be looking for this dog and it did one thing with the ai that i don't really see a lot of games do it is uh, there's a lot of bullshit in in dumb marketing around like oh we gave the ai names or we made them like feel like real people but yeah like streets it, of rage it, do- it does it it does mechanically play into it in an interesting way that if you're you know how like in stealth games like in thief or dishonored or whatever when you when you grab someone mid-conversation with another person the person he was talking to like just doesn't care and just doesn't notice that like he suddenly got cut off by a chokehold like midway through (laughs) this game like they'll notice if like you're talking to someone and they don't respond to be like hey john where'd you go john why aren't you talking and then they'll like actively start looking for them which not only makes you kind of assess where you need to when you need to kind of go for the stealth kills, but uh, how you kind of want to approach the combat. And there's also a few quality of life changes I appreciate. Like you don't have to craft shivs. You don't have to mm. always craft shivs for uh, clickers, which is really just a really nice change yes. because it, it there's a lot of like random like bombs and traps you can build which is really cool but like the shivs i felt like always wasted my resources because i never wanted to have to like just sneak around them and and it's it's nice like little quality of life changes like that that make the that make some of the gameplay a lot more fight uh uh enjoyable and i think some of my favorite parts is when you got to kind of mix the 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 ai humans with the ai infected Mm. and and see how they kind of play off one each other one another and how you kind of use that to your advantage you can do some really cool stuff like 
like instead of wasting time trying to get down both like human enemies and infected enemies in an area what i would do is that i would throw a bottle in the direction of the humans mm-hmm. and like the clickers would yeah. hear that and then they would just like run to the humans and they would start attacking each other so i could just sneak by and i thought that was really cool it almost sounds like this game has all <laughs> i hesitate to call it a problem the wrinkle of the last of us another thing that was like a very common talking point around that game was like some people swore by hey you have to play this on hard mode that's the best way to play it mm. because resource management becomes such a bigger thing it sounds like this game does something very similar based on the different experiences that you both had like natalie you playing on the easiest difficulty and uh colin and kenneth it sounding like playing on harder difficulties where uh, th- I played on the. I think you. I played on the same as Kenneth, so I played on the the moderate difficulty. Yeah, it's the normal equivalent. They will say they have some good accessibility. That's the word. Features in the yeah. game where you there's not just a, a moderate, a good, like an easy, a hard, or a medium. You can like actually customize your difficulty. So if you want to have an experience where you have more supplies, but all the enemies do the same damage, you can tweak it so more supplies will appear, but the enemies will be the same alert as they would be on the medium difficulty or vice versa. Uh, damage you take, it's actually remarkably smart because it lets you it it fixes that issue where it's one of the things like you have to play it on hard you have to play it on hard to like really like feel like you're in it where if you don't want to deal with it on your first playthrough of just like having brutal like two hit kills from like enemies like you can uh, tweak it so you still don't have the resources but the enemies are a little more forgiving in how they kind of attack you Mm -hmm. and it, it's it's nice and there's a lot more accessibility features. Oh, there's a lot surprising uh, mm-hmm. surprisingly, which I, I'm always down for. I think that's something that more AAA games really need to focus yeah. on is adding more accessibility features. And I'm really kind of I don't know. I wouldn't say you have to play this game on hard. Uh, you can play it on whatever difficulty you want, obviously, and I think that's fine. I don't think it really affects the experience. Yeah, like, no, I mean, specifically... Oh, sorry, go ahead, oh, Natalie. I was just going to say that, like someone mentioned earlier, the game is still hard on the easiest difficulty yeah. mode. Like, I will say... Part of that is me just generally being bad at video games. <laughs> but also, it is it, it can be genuinely pretty tough like i died a lot of times even on the easiest difficulty mode um it's just like it like mentioned before the ai is really smart um in particular the addition of the dogs uh was really compelling for me because um like say i would kill someone near a dog the dog would then be able to sniff my scent so uh, you have to use bricks or bottles in order to sort of drive off the scent or move far away from the dog, which sometimes isn't Sorry. feasible. Mm-hmm. How does a how does a bottle or a brick drive off your scent? I, I have no idea, but we're going with it because it's a video. I game. Use, I just used a good old fashioned mind to get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it's important yeah. to distract them. I think that's kind of like the yeah, way it works. Yeah, I think I that's it. Um, so it like the AI is really smart, and it's the combat is is pretty good. Like it. Even on the easiest difficulty, it still manages to be challenging. So don't feel pressured to play it on the hardest difficulty or whatever. Um, And the game doesn't really fall into the trap of associating difficulty with lack of accessibility. Because um, a lot of times, even in story sections, uh, 
if you run if you run around for a long enough time like I tend to do and miss things that are directly in front of you, um, you will get the option to get a hint and you mm. can take that option or, you know, keep on trying to find out where you have to go on your own. And so I really appreciated uh, things like that, um, that uh, just made it more accessible. And that's on top yeah. of all the options that you can customize uh, in terms of like options for colorblindness or like visual impurity. And so like they really make a point of trying to make this as accessible as possible to a wide variety of people. And I think that's really worth noting. Mm. Yeah, in a what? in a world where you don't really have to hand to Naughty Dog, that is something <laughs> I got to hand to Naughty Dog because like that is something that they've been on for like a while. <laughs> they, they like had they had like testimonies from uh, some uh, fans that were having trouble with like certain parts of the game because like they literally could not do like inputs and stuff. Like and it has become like a really important part of all of their games since I think probably Last of Us One, like in Charter Four, Last Legacy, they have these same. Uh, really in-depth uh, accessibility features that I feel like, they like, again, they just went, like, the next step with part two, and I really respect it. Especially because, like, it doesn't seem like that's kind of being required of a lot of these big studios. No. And so, no. like, they're going out of their way to make yeah. sure that this game is playable by as many people as possible. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys thought of the, the general, like, uh, infected and the, their kind of place in the game, because there's actually, like, I think only two new infected. The shambles are in the original Last of Us, right? They're only like very used sparingly. The shambles? No, they're new. Uh, not the shamblers. The stalkers. The, they. Mm, I don't immediately remember an encounter with them, but I'm suddenly doubting myself now that you're asking. I, I, I will say, from what I remember of the Last of Us one, I remember their. I remember clickers. I remember uh, red-eyed people, and I remember the one that sticks out in my head the most because it is the most video game ass thing in the game that is like we have, well, we wanted to be really emotional, which is the boomers, yeah. which are the big giant like chunky boys who shoot projectile grenade fungus at you in this like <laughs> very serious world. It's <laughs> just like remember that being like the most ridiculous Those thing in the world. Planet. <laughs> Uh, are they still oh, here? Yeah, yeah. They're they're very sparingly used, but they're they're around. Yeah, the the big Silly. the big chunky boys are here, but they're they're more or less used as boss fights than right. they're used as like actual uh, like infected. You'll just randomly encounter like the the main the infected that we can talk about are there's the regular ones that are just like zombies that just run around. There's the clickers who are the blind ones who you can distract with sound. Uh, there's the shambler. There's the shamblers which are like. Kind of a uh, kind of a mix of uh, a different bunch of zombie tropes. They're basically they just walk around and they release giant clouds of acid spores, Same. and you can't insta kill <laughs> them with stealth. So you have to like make a decision to okay, do I go loud to deal with them or do I wait till the very end and then deal with them? And then there's the uh, the stalkers who I, I don't remember if they're in the original or not. Um, I'm, I think they are, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I played, and, and they're the most frustrating ones because you can't see them through the by the listening. But that makes them, I think, interesting. And are any I'm of these curious. ones the ones we're not supposed to talk about? Do I need to cut any of this out? No, 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 no. We're no, no, no. There's, <laughs> the, we, we're, we're, uh, there's there's like a, there's a, there's other, but we're not going to talk about other. Just making sure. Um, I'm curious what you two thought about the the infected in this game because they're used a lot more, I feel, than they were in the original Last of Us. Like they're everywhere in this game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, I 
it kind of goes back to like kind of the thing that sticks out to me most is like when it when you put something that is typically or at least was originally in the first game used to like craft a very specific encounter and you put them in open world scenarios i feel like there was it was almost like they were both more video gaming but less also because like i wasn't always looking for like what is the weak point that they want me to go for to be able to get through this relatively unscathed because like there's random encounters is not the word i want to use but like they are at least the encounters didn't feel as deliberate and not in a bad way but like more like they felt natural almost Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah right um it's because. not doing the thing that, like, it, it sounds like this game is very intentionally uh, avoiding maybe a problem of modern video game, third-person game design, which is that, like, hey, you always know when you're about to get into a fight because, yeah. look, there's this um, two-foot-tall, waist-high cover uh, in, like, very yeah. strategically placed areas in yeah. this big arena. <laughs> like, it sounds like they have, like, realized, oh, after seven years of video game development, we kind of know that people know this thing now. We'll just right. put the waist high cover everywhere. <laughs> right. And then you- Definitely feels more <laughs> then organic. You'll, then you'll never know. Yeah, less scripted. Feels more what, Natalie? More organic and less scripted. Yeah. yeah. Which really helps the whole horror aspect, too, because the clickers and the infected in general feel like this perpetually present and natural part of the world that you're in now instead of just, like, dedicated sections where you can... Right. Sort of battle them and engage with them or not engage with them. So, yeah. Yeah. And then there's, and we can talk about them, I think, to a generally like safe degree. We can't get into any like super, super specifics, obviously, especially in the latter half. But there's, there's two factions in this game that you're mm. generally going to deal with uh, during your playthrough. There's the WLF, which is the Washington Liberation Front. They're, um, they're basically like a paramilitary force. Like you see them in almost every every zombie game ever. They're like the the military when the military goes dark, basically. The, <laughs> so the military, <laughs> yeah, basically the military. And then there's the religious cult, which is all about uh, denying technology and electricity, and. Uh, they call the infected demons and it's it's just mm. a, there's like a there's a martyr that was like their savior uh and she's just her face is just plastered everywhere and it's i both like the i both like the factions and hate the factions i like them because the the game does take some time to really kind of like dig into them but at the same time they're the most video gamey types of factions yeah. you could possibly come across with the most video gamey mm. type of backstories right i think in terms of so, so like on a gameplay front like they they both operate very differently and then you know the yes the wlf is you know standard whatever uh the cult is one of the scarier things in the game like they communicate through like whistling so like i mm-hmm. now if i hear whistling i immediately like tense up and they you know they operate with uh the more stealth mechanics as well because like they use bows instead of guns so like it is like a whole different thing um the thing that I think kind of elevates them past the video gamey faction tropes they are are how people re- relate to them from the inside, and that is all second half of the game. So check out the spoiler cast. But I think that they, <laughs> I think they are a step elevated than again than marketing ever made them for sure. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, I will say that we front loaded this podcast, it feels like, with a lot of very, very effusive praise about um, the game. And it sounds like even the gameplay stuff, it sounds like people are very mostly positive on. Am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but also, I will say that, like, you also all said that, boy, this game is like chunky with combat in combat encounters and probably more combat encounters than it needed to. And then like hearing that is maybe the biggest turnoff for me personally coming into this, especially hearing like, even if they are like super, you know, well done and and deeply handled and stuff like that, like hearing like how video gamey it gets when those were my least favorite parts of the last of us one with again, like the boomers and stuff like that. And like the dichotomy between having this ultra serious story and these like attempts at like very beautiful moments. And also you need to dodge projectile mushroom grenades was uh, like just a very, very silly thing to me. Uh, This is a little bit of a bummer to me, but like also it sounds like overall it's not like the, like a huge problem. Right. Right. I would say it's a step up uh, quite significantly as somebody who obviously didn't like the gameplay. I was pretty much on the same board with you, Steven, with the gameplay of the the original last of us is that it's all very disconnected from the story. I feel that they're trying to tell. Mm. And I think the last was too, um, while it does have some of those video gaming moments and it does like really, really drag on too much near the end, uh, I think it does a good job of making the combat feel more organic and more engaging than it typically did. And there are like obviously those moments where you are dodging like mushroom things from the bloaters, <laughs> um, but it's it's a lot more sparing with those Uh at times, a lot of the traps I think the last of us falls into is it's it's trying to do too much at the at once, and it, it's trying to shove so much into the game that it ends up kind of being a little bit bloated uh, for what it wants to tell and what it wants to do. And I feel like a lot of sex, some sections could have just been shaved off, and the game would have been much better for it. Natalie and Kenneth, do you agree with that? Disagree. Ken, you can go first. <laughs> I'll say who's going first. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know that I agree that The Last of Us 1 in particular was like, felt like it was ever at odds with itself in terms of making story and gameplay mesh, because I feel like that is at least what I remember about that game, is that like, because, okay, history has like written that The Last of Us is like, quote unquote, like an example of the stories games can tell, where I think (laughs) that is like a bit of a misunderstanding, like what I think personally the last of us kind of stands out for is that it at least is an example of something that proves that gameplay and story don't have to be at odds because there is like there's a notion that you know gameplay and story don't mix in a way that is as organic as something like movies or books and that's in premise fair but i think the last of us for me was an example of in practice that does not have to be the case yeah um right so for part two, I I don't know if these things ever feel at odds, but there it does always, or at least there are points where I, I felt like it is a very linear, contained experience falling into some, I don't know if demands is the right word, but like an expectation of games yeah. to be a certain level of open mm-hmm. that I don't think... Naughty Dog really needs to fall into, and I'm kind of just like I've gotten progressively more disappointed that that is something they seem to be willing to lean into. Not that I think that it has soured me in the long run on Last of Us Part Two, but it is something that I hope maybe they can sort of reassess some priorities and be like, here were the most effective moments of our games of the past 
God, like if Uncharted One came out like thirteen years ago at this point, so like it has been thirteen years of them kind of like iterating on this God, style of game. And yeah. <laughs> like I, I feel like you know you've done the open world thing three times at this point because Uncharted Four had it, Lost Legacy did, and now Last of Us Part Two. Kind of just I mean, like even Jack and Daxter like was yeah, a very yeah, open sure, game, right. you know. But at least like in the context of these sort of like the style of game that they're making, like these very yeah, you know the, these story driven things that have like a lot of forward momentum. Maybe just kind of like step like step back and look at the thing that sticks out with people the most, the things that people talk about the most. Because like I loved Uncharted Four, but like when you talk about the open sections of that game, it is more just like, oh yeah, it had open sections, but we don't end up, you know, those are yeah. the conversation points that stick for very long. We don't talk about those. Yeah. Natalie, how about you? Where do you fall on a lot of this? Um, I honestly don't have anything smart to say about whether it's has positive <laughs> itself or not not just because i feel very tired but also because like the combat is just my least favorite thing about both games yeah. um mm-hmm. it's it's fine like it does what it needs to do for me and that's good enough and it is not anywhere near the top of the list in terms of priority and what makes the last of us the last of us for me so that's why for me, when it started to feel like there were three gameplay sections for like five minutes of story, sort of like a little bit in the middle, that's when I was like, we we could we could cut down this. We we could cut this right. down, and we could do much better off without all these encounters and whatnot. Um, but I mean, yeah, like I don't have anything smart to say in that regard. Like I think it's. I mean, it's, I disagree because I think that right there was fairly yeah. smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the boost of confidence, but yeah, like I don't, I don't have any opinions on whether it's at odds with itself or not. Um, I could see both points that Colin and Kenneth are making. Um, I just generally think combat is the least interesting part of The Last of Us. Just like the infection in general are sort of a backdrop for the really human and intimate stories that mm-hmm. The Last of Us contains and that goes mm. for so many of these like man is just as bad as the zombies and the infected stories but <laughs> The Last of Us 2 I think really resonated with me because it, it is so focused on the personal and the individual mm-hmm. um, and I have so many thoughts that I can't really talk about <laughs> right. here. Yeah. We'll get to those next yeah. week for sure. Right? Um, it's so and difficult that, to yeah. talk around this game, uh, especially because right. I, I have so much that I want to say on it because um, I feel like when you don't love something, it's very easy to neatly dissect what you like and don't mm-hmm. like. Like I can, right. I can talk about the first game with a lot of ease because I don't feel much for it, but this game that I love to the point that it is one of my favorite games ever uh it feels so hard for me to talk about on top like like even without a a very strict embargo it's like there's Mm -hmm. so many things that contribute to why this game is so special to me and why i love it so much and i can't talk about them right now right Um, but yeah, yeah the combat is not one of those things that contributed to why i love it so much sure right and I think that's sort of like where I'm coming around. I guess we're kind of like we're at the end of our note, so I assume that we're kind of wrapping up here. That's yeah. sort of I my mean, wrapping thoughts here is that like, you know, we've been fairly critical of the game and like the marketing and everything. I so just so it's not lost, so it's not twisted. I adored this game. Like I fucking 
a game I never wanted to fucking see exist <laughs> justified itself to me within the first two hours, and like I was on board, and like I, it feels very, very intimately intertwined with the first game, and I think that is something that I again we can't really elaborate on too much, but like in a world where this very could have easily been like a cash in sequel for sequel's sake, like to have something that is as deliberately tied to what came before it and like spits in the face of like that notion that like oh do i i shouldn't have to play the other one like the first one to get understand the second yeah, one like you know spits in the idea of like like <gasps> some like this is how you make a good fucking sequel because you make something that feels as important as what came before it and it feels as like imperative and you know yeah. it's gonna be like really frustrating watching the way that people are gonna talk about this game and, you know, I go into that in my written piece, just like, I don't like the ways in which that we're going to have to talk about this game right now, but it was perfect for me. Like, right. I, I can't overstate how perfect everything this game was to me and what I needed a second last of us to be. I think it especially sure. appeals to people like me and Kenneth, because, um... Kenneth and I are close friends and we often talk about Dragon Age, which is a story that focuses on the world and not the characters, mm -hmm. even though the characters are so incredibly amazing. Right. And so that creates a sort of sense of frustration because it's like the world is not what I really care about. Like, I know that what me and Kenneth care about are the characters the most at the end of the mm -hmm. day and the last of us two never loses sight of that and right. like we were talking about this too like nobody fucking starts game of thrones season eight and has the right to be mad that it's not <laughs> right. like telling you who daenerys targaryen is like fuck that like no like you start from the beginning like that's on you and the quality of the game mm -hmm. and the story shouldn't be impacted by the sort of need to be immediately accessible for everyone like the Witcher 3 is really good. Part of the reason why it is so good and has sold so remarkably well is because it really knows how to balance, you know, the line between giving you enough to feel like you can be invested in that world without giving you, like, too much that it's totally inaccessible. And so, like, right. I think... I think the last of us. I, I played yeah. The Witcher One. Nobody should have to go back and play The Witcher One. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm really glad uh, on the same subject too. Like I'm really glad that this game doesn't like it is so intimately tied to the first one, um, and there are things that people who play only this one will you know get little references and whatnot if they didn't play the first one. I'm just like little things like that and. Um, yeah, I just, mm, I don't know, it's it's so hard to talk about this game, but uh, <laughs> I, I do, I agree with Kenneth, and I say this as someone with, even now I don't have any particular love for the first game. I think the first game really rides on you connecting with Joel, and I did not connect with Joel, but I connected mm. with Allie, and so playing as her in this game, like, it's just a totally different experience for me not just because she's also like a queer woman but just like I connected with Ellie's story a lot more in The Last of Us 1 um, and so yeah like mm -mm, I don't know where I'm going exactly with this but basically uh, I, I also think it's like kind of perfect like and I don't say that lightly and it is not a perfect game but for mm. me, like, I just, like, I even got emotional just thinking about how much I love this game. And it is so surprising to me because 
like I read the leaks I was like oh wow this mm, this doesn't sound good I didn't like yeah. the first one the marketing had every reason to put me off and it did as a queer woman of color um, like Naughty Dog does not have a history of engaging <laughs> with racial subjects um, you know like in a thoughtful manner or with queerness not, not, to, not to derail not to interrupt but this is also the company we, we talk about how like this draws from the Lost Legacy so much Lost Legacy crucially a game that stars two women of color both voiced by white women <laughs> exactly um, so not the best track record, but I I am still surprised by just how incredible of a game this is. Um, like, I don't even want to talk about it much because I could feel myself getting emotional, but I, I really loved this game. Um, I, there were moments near the end that I was just, like, crying and, like, like really crying, like, just because I was mm. so in love with this game and so touched by it. Um, and we'll be able to talk about that in the spoiler episode. We keep saying that, but it is true. And I just want people to know, like, there are valid reasons to be put off by this game. And I'm very excited to read thoughtful and critical fake pieces by, especially by some of my favorite writers, um, who will be engaging with this game, you know, as we proceed to enter like discourse territory. Um, I am excited for the thoughtful pieces. I am not excited for uh, mm. sort of. Uh, there's this kind of thing. I were talking about this yesterday as well. There's this sort of trend that has sprung up in games criticism that associates triple A games with a lack of substance or with like. Yeah. Sort of no effort being done on inclusivity. I won't say that everything in this game is nailed perfectly. I think everything, almost everything, is done pretty fantastically. But of course, I see why other people will not think so. And I'm eager to learn more about my blind spots and like the, the things that I am not seeing or the. You know, I'm not making sense, but um, I don't even know where I'm going. I'm sorry. I'm like running on a fear no, to sleep. But yeah, like I, I want people <laughs> to know, like, for what it's worth, like as someone who had every right to be skeptical of this game and who was skeptical of this game and explicitly even told my editor the two games that I'm not covering this year for sure are The Last of Us 2 and Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> I'm not fucking touching them. Like, you can leave that discourse to the white men. I am not going to get involved in that. Like, fuck that. No, like, I I still won't get involved with Cyberpunk 2077. I will say that. Um, but I'm... No, I'm so glad you gave us that, somebody else to get involved with it. So. Yeah, um, but I'm so, I'm so glad that this game turned out as it did. It is so incredibly thoughtful. It is so wonderful and emotional and sensible. Um, it is so human and so beautiful. Like I just, I have so much love for this game to a degree that has surprised me. And I have several friends who were also in my camp of not liking the first Last of Us who are now replaying the first Last of Us because I've been, like, mm -hmm. uh, just, like, letting you know, like, I finished this game in, like, less than two days, and uh, <laughs> I can't say specifics, but I think this is really different, and I'm surprised by how incredible and touching it has been, and, yeah, so I'm... I just really love this game. I, I do recommend people to 
you know, any preconceived notions that you rightfully have, um, I think the game deserves a second, not a second chance, because it hasn't even gotten a first chance as we record this, but I, I think it deserves the benefit of the doubt and at mm-hmm. least seeing how it, you know, does things. And I think a lot yeah. of it, a lot of that credit I want to give to the um, co-writer of the game because Neil Druckmann is not the only one writing this game. Um, it's also Haley Gross, I believe is her name. Um, she is co-writing this along with Neil Druckmann and I, I can see the very clear positive influences that she has had on the script um, and I have heard things about how she has influenced it for the better and I think it's it's just a very noticeable change from the first one. I think it's intimate and moving in ways that the first one didn't really accomplish for me. Um, and yeah, just I, I really feel like this one is it, it's different from the first one. So if you didn't like mm. the first one, I think you can still love this game and maybe even love it enough to like feel like crying when you talk about it and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm going to remember this game on like my deathbed or something because it's, it's bad because <laughs> I legitimately do mean that I... I'm still debating my score, but it's it's very, very high, um, as will be clear by the time that this goes up. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah it, this game. It, and as a as as not wanting to, to add to more just the white dude talking about The Last of Us, <laughs> I, I think both Kenneth and Natalie have said pretty much my general thoughts as well. I can be really critical of games, especially as someone who who's really critical of post-apocalyptic games and then how they kind of tell their stories. Both of them do an infinitely kind of better job of explaining the intricacies of the story and of the characters and of the setting and how uh, to, to quote a great man, Todd Howard, <laughs> it just works. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the game is even if you're off put by the leaks or and you shouldn't be the, a lot of them are bullshit or I mean highly like taken out of context in terms of how the game plays yeah. out one, th- one um, thing I do want to chime in here to say though too is I do think there is a level of validness uh, if that's a word of feeling validity validity validity, that's the word thank you i'm the professional editor um there is a level of validity to being put off by the leaks and the the stuff that has been intentionally obfuscated around this game because of the fact that it is basically using weird um very charged imagery in a lot of cases to drum up conversation about a game in a way that would not normally drum up conversation um and trying to use that to profit off of that and make money off of that is like a bad decision. It's it, may, it doesn't maybe reflect the product or necessarily the people who worked on the product directly. It is maybe reflects like uh, a very small faction of that. I know how that can happen in projects. I know how people can get, um, you know, sledded over and, um, you know, just completely uh, blocked in, in those conversations and stuff like that. And those um, decisions get made at the top and stuff like that. But at the same time, I do think that, you know, people can be valid in being wary of this product um based on even if they know even if they know that it is not reflective of the actual game like
like it is a weird dichotomy to have to worry about still too it's 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 weird how how the, the discussion around it is largely going to be driven by those spoilers those leaks and the way naughty dog kind of marketed the game which is a shame because like as they both said uh, the game is it's genuinely beautiful it's it's a it's a moving piece uh, of storytelling and character and character uh, discussion and world building that very few uh, single player games can really achieve I, I would I would highly recommend it as somebody who is genuinely lukewarm on the first Last of Us. It's it's a game that I'm going to fondly remember for a while. Uh, but I, I mean, there's not much more to cry. say that we can't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sat here with tears in my eyes, like oh. Oh, I just love this game so much. There's not there's obviously not much we can say now. There's a lot more we're going to say in the spoiler cast, but I don't I don't I don't have no, nothing else to contribute. Honestly, cool. they've done a much better job at this than oh. I did. <laughs> I really want to emphasize Steven's point that it. There is definitely validity in being put off by the leaks. Like, I will be super transparent and say that, like, up until the moment when I started playing this game, my driving force for playing this was literally just that Ellie is my type soft bitch like girlfriend <laughs> and Dina has like I have a lot of physical features I share with Dina who is my favorite character in this game along with Ali like she's so fantastic so I like a part of my brain is like Ellie my girlfriend okay this is gonna be like my wish fulfillment simulator and like a post-apocalyptic world that was literally my one driving motivation and I kept telling my editor like I'm gonna see how messy this is because I want to form my own opinion. And I, I read the leaks when they came out. I discussed them with friends. I was extremely skeptical and weary, especially with a marketing cycle that did not do any favors for it, especially for people of my demographic. And yet, like this game, again, I can't speak for everyone like me. I can't even speak for Latinx people or like people of color or even women or anything. Um, but as for my personal experience, like I just think this game is so wonderful and so thoughtful in ways that I was continually surprised by even until the very end, just like almost 30 hours of me being surprised and continuously touched by how thoughtful the narrative is and how beautiful and touching it is. Um, so you have every right to be put off by the leaks. Um, you know, if you just don't want to give this game a try because of the leaks and the marketing cycle combined, that is absolutely more than valid. But I will say you might be surprised by what you find if you decide to play this game after all if you decide to give it the benefit of the doubt which you are not obligated to but if you do i think you will be surprised by all the glimmers of beauty and you know consideration and sensibility that this game has because it's it's just it's remarkable it's so incredible like i imagine this is what people felt with the first game as i watched mm. people talk about the first game and hail it as you know one of the best things in gaming to be ever created i felt so alienated and excluded because i i did not feel the same way i I felt so ostracized from the rest of the community and so now i'm like oh like this is what it must feel like like it feels like like i don't know it's a little cheesy but like i've never been in love but it it must feel like this to fall in love with like someone or something (laughs) just like recognizing like 
that it's not perfect and that it's a little messy here and there, but that like it is nonetheless so so beautiful and so wonderful and that it will stick with me forever. Um, so yeah, I, I that's what I would say to people. You're more than valid in being put off by what you've heard, by what you've seen, but if you give it a chance, um, I don't really think The Last of Us 2 needs to be out here being like, please give me a chance because it's going to sell a million something or like five million you know but but for the people that i know are you know more than right to be nervous about how this game might handle some different subjects i think um i think it'll be good to sort of see how it plays out because it might be might be better than you that was always a continuing thought for me this is much better than i expected until i finished the game and i was like that was better than anything i could have expected and that will be better (laughs) than anything i will proceed to expect and oh my god i love this series so much now just because of this game Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah do you want to follow that up kenneth uh i I will save any of my gushing for when we can talk about this in any fashion that is not locked down by an embargo. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's... It's going to be so much. I think that about sums up this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that being said, yeah, the counterpoint to my earlier statement about being put off by the marketing and stuff like that is I think all the people on here, all three of you have uh, voices that carry a lot of weight for a lot of different people and you've made like a really glowing argument for this game in general and I think I will maybe give it more. I'm somebody who was just not at all interested in The Last of Us 2. I was a big Last of Us 1 defender and in the years since I've just been like, mm, maybe not. And <laughs> now though, uh, hearing you three um, talk about it the way you have, I'm way more interested in it than I think I would have ever been if literally anybody else had told me to uh, be excited for this game. So uh, for whatever that's worth, there you go. I think that about wraps up this uh, review podcast, though. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Thank you for Uh, having us. So who really is the last of us? Yeah, it's uh, a question it, to think about. It's uh, it's you, Natalie, because you're the last of us who hasn't had any sleep. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. let you. I'm gonna let you uh, jump out of here and maybe take a nap. Uh, oh no, we're I'm off to write my review. It's totally fine. Oh. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I wish you the best of luck on that, and I thank all of our listeners as well for joining us on this uh, this chunky this this boomer sized review podcast for The Last of Us Part 2 from Naughty Dog. Uh, that is out on... Is it out on June 19th? June 18th. Next week? Next Friday? Right? Yes. Yeah. Like yep. like June 18th at like midnight, basically? Oh, or like 19th. June 19th yeah. at midnight? Um, so people can t- uh, keep an eye out for that. It's on PlayStation 4. I'm pretty sure it'll be on PlayStation 5 eventually later this year. We'll see. And uh, if people have been swayed at all by this podcast, they can run out and go purchase it. Or don't run out and go purchase it uh, buy digitally. Walk out <laughs> with your mask if you decide yeah. to. Yeah. Walk out and purchase it or purchase it digitally. Yeah. Uh, I'm been, I have been Stephen Strum, managing editor of fanbyte.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at Stephen Strum. Where can people find you, Colin? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Beguiled Gamer, or you can come to the fanby.com on the 19th and read the like 25 plus guides we're going to have on oh. The Last of Us oh. for when we get stuck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
where can people find you, Natalie? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Hardemesia. That's heart E-M-E-C-I-A. You can also catch me on fanbytes.com on the weekends, uh, such as this weekend when I will be writing a news roundup of the Gorilla, Gorilla Collective. The Oh, so many streams and conferences happening lately. Oh, right, that is soon. And today yeah. we have the PS5 reveal, but <laughs> we should bring that. So, it's, yeah. Um, mm. Also, people can read your review, your written review of The Last of Us Part Two over at Paste um, with the same time that this goes up, right? It should be up at the same yeah. time, I think. And Kenneth, people will be able to read your written review on fanbyte.com, but where else can they find you? Yeah, they can find me over on Twitter at ShepherdCDR. Uh, and I gotta say, I have read and edited that uh, The Last of Us review, and mm. it is pretty spectacular. And it is oh, a really interesting, you. yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting way of handling a very tough situation from no. uh, multiple perspectives. Right. Uh, you can go to fanbyte.com/slash podcast to listen to all the rest of our podcasts. We have recently done a little bit of splitting up on the podcast front. We've, um, you know, we we were very bloated in a couple of feeds, but now we're just moving all of the main podcasts into their own individual feeds. So if you're Looking for something like um, Office Hours or Fanbyte uh, Daily News or um, fan, You Love to See It. Those are now in their own feeds. You can find them all by their uh, original names. Just go look in your podcast catcher of choice. Uh, and when you're, you're at it, you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is you get podcasts. Leave us a rating and review and juice those algorithms. You know, you can be honest, but uh, any level of engagement tells the algorithms that you have opinions about us. And then that helps spread <laughs> our stuff to other people so we can share uh, our beautiful thoughts with everyone the uh japan's 13th largest video game podcast i'm told uh wow. <laughs> fan with so yeah uh That's great, <laughs> <Shout out laughs> to Japan. Yeah. we just kind of left that little bomb right there at the end y'all heard it <laughs> Yeah, uh, because that's the other thing about FanWith is we're famously bad at ending podcasts. So I'm going to end it right there. And thank you all once again for listening. We'll be back on our regularly scheduled Tuesday episode with more stuff. We'll have more reviews down the pipeline and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.